This is the On All Cylinders Podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Your host for today is Summit Racing's David Fuller with special guest Colin Kinzer from Holly. Here we go. Hey folks, welcome to another On All Cylinders Podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Dave Fuller. And for this episode, we're going to talk about one of the hottest new products that came out in 2023. We're going to be looking a little bit more closely at the Sniper 2 EFI system. And to do that, we brought in a special guest, uh, Colin Kinzer from Holly. And Colin, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, Dave, no problem. Go ahead and give us a little background on you know what you do there and how you're involved with the Sniper 2. I started Holly a decade ago. I started in the tech service team. You know, pounding phone calls and listening to our fast consumer base because at the time we in the tech team we ran you know exhaust intake manifolds carburetors EFI systems fuel pumps everything you can imagine through you know one tech line so that's where I cut my teeth prior to that I had installed EFI systems and you know just built cars so I spent a year and a half in tech and then I moved to the sales team where I was the Eastern Regional Account Manager. I spent a year and a half there, and then I was asked to become the EFI product manager. And at the time, we didn't have a specific product manager. We just had general speaking product managers. So for the last eight years, I've I've ran the EFI department as far as you know, Holly EFI, Terminator X, Sniper EFI from a product management uh, perspective. So really, just you know, the voice of the consumer, making sure that the features and benefits that people are looking for are in our product and. Hopefully, we've done a great job of that with Sniper 2. Obviously, Holly, fuel system solution company, uh, very well known for carburetors. But tell us a little bit about the history uh, with EFI and how long you guys have been uh, working with that. And uh, just kind of give us a background, if you would. Sure. So my tenure, prior to my tenure at Holly, we had the Commander 950 and the Projection 2D and 4D products, which where TVI systems and multi-port systems and those TVI systems were based on some OEM technology that we had, had acquired back in the, in the 80s, I would imagine. Right when I started tech, we had stopped teching those products, but we would still get calls uh, pretty regularly. When I started tech, we had just released the Terminator throttle body system part number 550-440. And that was really like the first product in the current wave of uh, TVI systems that we carry now. So from that, we kind of evolved into Sniper One, which was, you know, a huge success. And you hardly can't go to a car show or any event that has muscle cars in it without seeing Sniper Ones installed inside of carburetors. From that, of course, you have the Sniper Two, where we have learned the, the pain points that consumers have had installing these. And uh, we updated and kind of improved as many of them as we could. If you could talk a little bit about some of the biggest learning experiences that you kind of derived from the original sniper and how you applied that to the two. You know, one of the jobs, one of my specific jobs is just to to listen to our tech team and to be involved. So we'll go to trade shows, we'll go to racing uh, events across the country, we'll go to like LS Fest or Hot Rod Reunion or whatever and interact with the customer as far as talking to them at the booth. But I'll go as far as to go into their car and diagnose a problem that they're having in real time. And what that off, you know, offers us is the feedback and the insight to what's happening in the field and how customers are just struggling in, in certain aspects. So it might be you know, ignition installation, or it might be wiring, or it might be uh, how they install their O2 sensors, causing condensation on the tip of the O2 sensor, or j- just whatever transmission kickdowns or throttle linkage installations, the gamut. But all of that information is either gleaned from 
trackside experience, trade show experience, or just being in touch with the customer on the tech service lines or on Facebook or wherever you know they interact. So we have the Holly If I Snapper Facebook group that several of us here are admins for, and we we might not post in there every day, but you can guarantee one of us has read, read almost every post on that, that Facebook forum to just glean information, good or bad, to improve our product. I know uh, just based on some of that feedback you've gotten, you guys uh, added some upgrades, I guess I would say, upgraded features over the original. So if you would just sure. kind of talk about some of those and you know, kind of the problems that they address. Sure. So we'll start from the ground up, more or less. Sniper 2 is just redesigned if you compare it side by side with Sniper 1. Other than it, of course, being a four-barrel throttle body, you know, 4150 flange EFI system, it looks completely different aesthetically. So we moved the ECU to the side. We redesigned the ECU from the motherboard, from the uh, the PCB, the board itself up. So it's a all-new hardware, all-new firmware, and new injector drivers, new everything. From that, we actually redesigned the, the harness that is included also, and the injector clips themselves uh, with the older sniper. Sometimes you have uh, installation errors. So we have a positive lock injector clip that's on the injector now. The TPS, so that is now incorporated into the, uh, the circuit board of the ECU. And it's a non-contact TPS that's good for our lifetimes as human beings. Outside of that, we've improved the, the throttle lever. So the older sniper was actually, the throttle lever was designed based around a street demon. Nobody really had street demons installed. So as time went on, we noticed that people were having kickdown issues and having, you know, throttle lever issues and having geometry issues. So with Sniper 2, we went back to an 80457 design, which 80457 is the most popular carburetor Holly's sold in the last 10 years. And that seems to be going really well with the tech teams because people can just take their old carburetor studs off their carburetor and put it on a Sniper 2 and, and then go. They don't have to modify anything. We added the Ford C4C6 kickdown, which that was another huge pain point for our Blue Oval customers, which mm-hmm. I am myself. I'm a Fox Body guy. <laughs> there, there's more. There, there's a laundry list of more things that we've changed. Uh, some of those are so used to, you had to have adapters to run your ignition system. So if you want to add a hyperspark, you had to buy connectors and buy different adapters to wire it all in. And we actually just added those ignition connectors to the main harness so everything's plug and play if you want to upgrade your system to timing control. Yeah, it seems like you really simplified the the installation. There's just less wires. It looks like they all sort of exit out the back. So you guys clean that up. And you, you mentioned the harnesses. I do want to ask a little bit about the motherboard. You mentioned uh, that. I think you guys relocated that as well, right? So on a, a Sniper 1, it's up front and center and on you know, a Ford application, your distributor's in the front. So you're all, you're around a lot of noise. It's not necessarily a, a fault of anything. In some installations, it runs great. And on my personal Fox body, I had beta tester prototype tests, almost all of our Sniper 1s back in the day. But moving the, the ECU to the side can pose some benefits. It's just getting the electronics as far away as possible with it being, you know, a self-contained ECU on the product itself. So that that's part of that design, you know, thought and why we relocated it. And I noticed too, you guys, you've added an internal fuel crossover. That's another thing that kind of stood out to me. Sure. So just cleaning up the appearance, it's cast into the cavity now, and there's O-rings that are on each fuel bowl cover, so to speak. You know, they're not, they're just injector covers, but 
to mimic the, the carburetor design, it looks like it's a year old fuel bowl cover. But yeah, so the, the fuel crossover is cast in, which that just prevents leak points. You know, on the, each fitting, you're going to have multiple leak points, and then in the hose itself and the clamps and themselves. So just reducing complexity and uh, ultimately cost. All of that adds cost to the product. And our goal was to try to pull the cost out for the consumer to, to reap the rewards. So what's the response been thus far? You mentioned you have the Facebook groups and, and stuff like that. I would imagine pretty positive, but also are you seeing uh, some common questions or maybe mistakes that people might be making during the installation or how would you be have been able to glean from that? More or less when we were, were launched July, sounds right. Um, I was reading our tech service call log every single day to see just what was happening how our consumers were responding, what installation problems they were, and then it's my my responsibility and one of our engineers uh, to lead his responsibility to make sure the instructions are on point. And that was one of the the big takeaways is what we were getting from tech service was very minimal as far as problems and maximum as far as just will it fit this or when is you know X Y Z product going to be out for it? Because with tandem in tandem with the sniper, we launched wireless or not wireless, but the Bluetooth app and the PDM. So the app isn't out yet, and it will be soon. But the PDM is out. PDM is a power distribution module. Sorry for using the acronym. But as far as installation problems, we really haven't had any negative feedback. So that it's been great. Yeah, you mentioned the PDM. That's basically another basic way to simplify the installation, right? I mean, it's a block that allows you to manage kind of hooking up your accessories. Yeah. So the PDM is, for lack of a better term, just a component to eliminate any of the faults that would have been in your factory hard. So wiring to your factory's 1964 fuse panel or whatever your vehicle is, isn't really the best thing to do. And everybody kind of knows that. But that is a step that we try to take to remove complexity from A, the installation, but B, our tech service team is if we gave the consumer a just a bulletproof platform to wire their sniper to. And what will it, it it'll wire the sniper or you can wire the sniper to it, but you can also wire your fans, your electric fuel pump and your ignition box all to one you know source of power and ground to just eliminate all the need to wire extra relays and run the extra switch 12 volts and all of that. So the PDM has been a huge success. My time at PRI, I probably talked to 30 people about the PDM because they have just never really used a product like that before. So it's been great so far and we're looking forward to just keeping the, the innovation up and releasing products like that. Yeah, I know you guys are continually kind of adding to the mix here to, to work with the system. And, you know, when you guys released this, you talked a little bit, you know, obviously the Sniper to itself was, was the big news, but you guys created what you guys are calling kind of an ecosystem for this whole system to work its best. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what that ecosystem is and why it's important to maybe consider some of the additional products that would go along with the, the Sniper too? Yeah. So the thought process with the ecosystem is really just to share commonality. So when we launched Sniper One, you might've had somebody that had Brand X ignition box, Brand X coil, Brand X fan, and I'm saying Brand X to just insert your brand here. But with the thought process of having just all everything in one spot, so everything in Sniper EFI and everything in the same instruction book and everything in the same language to just simplify the installation. So your HyperSpark distributor is made to run with this throttle body. The PDM, there again, made to run with this system. So everything was just 
thought out in with the consumer's installation in mind to simplify everything and just make it easier to find what you need in one stop and not have to you know hunt the internet to find everything that works together um, optimally. Some of us are great at specking combos out, and some of us have part numbers off the top of their head, but other people just hunt the internet and hunt forms, and sometimes you get mixed results with that. Right now, and you know this kind of touches on a point that when you're converting to an EFI system after marketing to EFI, there, there, it's not just about the system itself; it's about the the parts that work with it. Right. So, if you would just touch on, you know, if I'm getting ready to do my first EFI conversion, and you know, I'm going to use a Sniper two. What are some of the other considerations I should be looking at? Obviously, I mean, there's there's fuel system. You mentioned the HyperSpark. Maybe kind of touch on the advantages of, of the HyperSpark line to go with your system. But, you know, what are just some of the things, you know, fuel tanks, fuel pumps, all that stuff? What, what should I consider? The base master kit will come with an on-the-rail fuel pump, which is great if you don't want to drop your tank to install a new pump in the tank. Or if you, you have a brand new tank and you don't want to do anything back there, the pump's great. But... In my experience, and what I almost always recommend is to buy a new tank when you're putting a $2,000 plus entire sniper system on your uh, your engine. Old tanks are just notorious for having bad particulate in it, gum, rust, whatever. And as soon as that gets to an injector, you're going to have a bad time. So the tank's the, the first little insurance policy, and in my opinion, and in the tank pump is always going to run cooler and quieter for the most part, unless you have cavitation in your pump, which yeah, everybody knows that bad pumps, bad pump. So that's the first place to start is I always recommend upgrading to a brand new fuel tank and with a pump that's in the tank. So no problems back there. As far as the, the ignition system goes, so HyperSpark is a Hall Effect based uh, ignition input. So it removes the magnetic part of the distributor out. And it allows the ECU to have full time and control. Now, you can still do time and control with a mag pickup distributor, but the Hall Effect's just cleaner, the resolution's higher, and the signal's better. Also, it's plug and play with the, the main harness now, so you don't have to wire in any adapters, like I was saying earlier. What that'll give you is the ability to build a timing curve either in your handheld, on the app, or in the software, uh, which is free to download, and you know, allow you to map out how you want your, your timing curve to, to look. And you can also data log that. You know, drive it down the road and see how it performed and then come back and tune if you want through the free software or through your handheld or whatever the interface that you chose when you purchased your Sniper 2. Obviously, you've got, you know, return versus returnless style systems. What what does this work with best? And can you talk a little bit about that? I almost always recommend a return fuel system. And it's just, it keeps your pump happy. It keeps the pump cool and circulating fuel is always the best. Returnless is great for lower horsepower applications. We don't usually recommend a deadheaded or returnless style fuel system unless somebody's making, you know, less than 350 or 400 horsepower, which is pretty common. And I'm not knocking on those, uh, those guys at all. One thing that you will see usually with the returnless fuel system is there's some more noise in the system. In my experience, sometimes there's not, depending on where the regulator's mounted or where the returnless style regulator's mounted. Sometimes they're in the tank. Sometimes it's like that Corvette filter regulator on the frame rail, and those can sometimes be noisy. So it just depends on what product you purchased to do the returnless system. Regulators, uh, you mentioned, is that something that's included or is that... The, the master kit? Sorry yeah. for cutting you off there. The master kit comes with a regulator. This is much like the Sniper 1 or runs at 58 to 60 PSI is what you, you need to see at the throttle body as far as fuel pressure goes. 
the regulator is not built into the unit anymore. It's just the design, a choice we made to clean up the design and also to add some serviceability to it. It's easy to find that old style regulator and everybody has them. So the regulator we had, it was getting hard to come by and in the field, they're not the easiest to service. Obviously a very important consideration uh, when buying and upgrading to this. New fuel systems kind of like the backbone. I would always recommend just upgrading your fuel system as much as possible for A, longevity, but B, upgradability in the future. You know, it's one of the few places that I almost always recommend to just go a little overkill. You're rarely going to regret that. Yeah, you mentioned the Bluetooth that's going to be coming out, but you guys have, there's a couple options as far as the screens that come with the kit now, right? There's a three and a half and a five. Is that right? So the five inch will be released soon. Uh, We had it on display at PRI and at SEMA. Essentially, we have that five inch that was initially released for Sniper One, and then we upgraded it uh, to be compatible with everything in the Holly ecosystem. So you can run that same 553-200 part number for your Sniper One, your Terminator X, or your Holly FI ECU now. So one thing that's different on the Sniper Two is that we changed the CAN connector to a twist lock mil spec style can connector uh, it's a m8 instead of the old mizu connector which is just really prone to breaking in the wrong time and they were difficult mm-hmm. to disconnect and if you got your laptop caught in it and you stepped out of your car you would jerk the thing apart so <laughs> this newer can connector is vastly more robust but in doing that we had to change the can connector on the dash too so as part of that um we're about to release that 553-200X is the part number for the handheld that will be compatible with Sniper 2. And the the five inch is just an amazing little piece of technology. For the price point, you get a GPS satellite speedometer and then all of the you know the sensor readings that are in the ECU as far as air fuel ratio, coolant temp, whatever you want to think of, is all displayed on the, the five inch dash. And then we'll have the wireless Bluetooth module that will allow you to, to do all that in your phone as part of the beta team and the alpha team, of course. It, it was just, it's amazing to have that technology at your fingertips and more or less just be able to watch your engine run on your, on your cell phone. Well, speaking of the tuning part of it, it is obviously a self-tuning unit. So just in, in basic terms, explain what that means to people. You can run through the wizard in the handheld and build a calibration. So what the what that's going to consist of it is the handheld that comes with your kit, be it you know the three and a half for now, or the five inch in the future, or the Bluetooth app in the further future. All of these have our wizard built into them, and it'll ask you engine cubic inch. It'll ask you your timing at wide open throttle, your timing at idle, your timing at cruise, target air fuel ratio, and it's going to build a base calibration for your engine now. If something is a, a normal vacuum, so you know it's not a race camshaft and it has eight or nine inches of vacuum or more at idle, normally that base wizard is actually pretty spot on, and you don't have to ever open a wizard or open an, any sort of tuning interface. For guys that have a more aggressive cam, because you want the thump, we get it. You can go into the software for free and just add fuel, take fuel away, add timing, take timing away if you have timing control, and you know fine tune the the system. But the Sniper software is on the web on poly.com. And like I said, it's a free download. You can pull the SD card out of your, your uh, handheld, pop it into your laptop, and make some tuning adjustments without any cost. You can't really underestimate the importance of that first drives, right? I mean, you, you got to right. take this out. There's a pro- is there a process that you recommend for, you know, 
getting the thing to self-learn uh, by the way you, you drive it and, and initiate it? Yeah, that's a great question. So totally. The ECU doesn't go into learn until you're over 160 degrees coolant temp. So first things first is you need to make sure the coolant temps are reading on the handheld. If you get across that boundary, which you know sometimes you'll have it in a spot that's cold, or sometimes you'll forget to hook it up because it's a small little two-wire connector. So once you get the engine up to 160, you don't have any exhaust leaks, which are a huge call. Uh, false leans or false rich inputs from an exhaust leak at the O2 sensor is a huge problem. So if you don't have any exhaust leaks, if your coolant temp's good, if you don't have any fuel leaks, then you're not going to catch this thing on fire. Just go out for a, a leisurely cruise around the driveway or around your neighborhood. So what the handheld will show you is it's called closed loop and learn. And those compensation percentages are normally in the range of, let's say, 3 to 12. And if you find that on your first drive that one of those limits is huge, so 60 or 70%, then you probably have an issue, be it fuel pressure or be it exhaust leak. Something's causing that to just have a, a egregious number that it's trying to add or pull fuel away from. And that's a great time to just stop, diagnose what's going on, you know, rerun the wizard so you're starting back from scratch and then go out for another drive. One thing to note about the learn percentage is that it is a value of what kind of fuel it's taking away from your base fuel map. So you're never going to get to 100%. It's not a, it's not a 100% is done type of deal. That means it's adding 100% fuel and you've got a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Now, as far as start off sort of slow and then, you know, give it a little extra acceleration as you go and you work up to that. I mean, how personally, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of make one or two tests laps, so to speak. And then I find it a nice, safe environment to make a wide open throttle rip. But <laughs> that's just me. But generally speaking, the ECU, it's going to learn your fuel needs or demands as fast as the engine's turning. So find out what your rev limiter is and let's get there. Well, speaking of spirited driving, this takes me a little bit back toward the beginning of the the episode here when we were talking about the features, the throttle blade placement. I, you guys made some adjustments to that too, correct? Yeah, definitely. So one of the changes is to move the throttle plate above the throttle shaft. And what that does is it, it breaks the vacuum signal up on the bottom of the plate. Since the surface area is decreased, your crispness is there. And also that sticky feeling that you'll get on some throttle bodies is lessened because there's just less vacuum pulling on, on the base of the plate. So that's a great point to bring up. And we definitely did redesign that. I loved it on my every car I've driven. 64 Mustang, Fox Body, various small block and big block Chevrolet based vehicles that we have in development. And so far, so good. Okay. So the big question, you know, the biggest challenges would you say to the installation? If I'm somebody that's kind of on the fence, not sure if I want to do this work and go through sure. the process, what are the biggest challenges that you would say come along and how, you know, maybe people can make a you know, decision based off of this? With the tech service background comes the calls and knowing what the pain points have been you know, traditionally. The number one thing is switch 12 volt. The PDM answers that, of course, but you still have to get a clean switch 12 volt signal to the product, just regardless of anybody's EFI or any ignition product. So get a good volt meter and uh, just make sure that your switch 12 volt is hot while the key's on, but also has good amperage. So sometimes you'll have a, a low amp 12 volt signal that will cause a lot of problems. So it's just the switch to volt, the emission key, or the toggle switch, or however it is. That's the number one place to start diagnosing and to just validate that you have a good source. And we have that a little tutorial in our uh, our sniper installation videos that go over that. 
from there, it's wideband placement. Make sure that you have a, you know, a nice place after the merge if you have a long tube or however your exhaust is set up that is not going to leak. Once you have that cleared up, fuel system. So as we were talking about earlier in the, the episode, your fuel system is the background of what's going on, you know, with the throttle body. Making sure your pickup's clean, making sure that, you know, you have good fuel pressure, making sure your filters are clean if you reuse your filters. Or even making sure that the, the hoses kinked. You know, I've seen installations, even personal ones, where I've jacked the, the car up and uh, pinched a, a fuel line or pinched an A-in line or just whatever. I always go over vehicles with a fine-tooth comb and that, yeah. that kind of thing before I start it. And that's just to prevent headaches when I do start it and start chasing my tail. So fuel system, switch 12-volt, uh, and then the wideband for your O2 leaks. And that, that's... Normally, eighty percent. You're going to get through eighty percent if you if you have all those things crossed off and no issues. Now, you guys offer clamp-on sensors, correct? So the the clamp-on oxygen sensor, I actually have our first prototype one sitting at my desk. Honestly, that product is amazing if you match the tube size correctly. So we sell it in you know a, a three and a quarter, three and a half, various tube diameters. So as long as your your tube diameter is matched up, it's great. A little known fact about those is they're weldable. So, I mean, it's a cast steel product. You can weld mm-hmm. it, assuming that your exhaust system's steel. You can weld that plate to the exhaust. Just remove the gasket, and you can burn the bead in. I, I like them. I think they simplify things. You can always just weld the old-style bung in, and that's great, too. But as long as you have the correct size tube, those clamp-on-style exhaust system, uh, sensor straps work great. You mentioned, again, wideband sensor fuel system components, and then you started to touch on just kind of, I guess, prepping the vehicle for the installation, you know, making sure your filters are not clogged or whatever. I'd imagine even checking your spark plugs, maybe? Yeah, if, if your vehicle and the engine itself had spark plugs in it from your carburetor installation or the plug wires themselves, that's another place for cheap insurance. If you can put a set of plugs in most engines for under 20 bucks. And you can find a set of plug wires for under 100 that are going to be solid for this product. Of course, we have the MSD spark plug wires, which run great. I run them on all my vehicles. But that's another great point, just making sure you're not chasing bad with no good. So think of your engine as the foundation. And if you had some some bad lumber in there with the spark plugs, that's going to be a problem in the long run. What about intake recommendations, uh, you know, dual plane, single plane, and then cam compatibility? I know, I believe from what I've seen on the the setup wizard, you know, you've got, I think it's uh, more of a mild street setting on the cams, a street strip, and then a competition, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but what do you need to know about, you know, your cam profiles and choosing an intake as well? So intake manifolds. We have seen some feedback in the past where, you know, if it was a dual plane with the runner in the middle, that there was just poor distribution on some TBI installations. You're never mm-hmm. going to get away from that. You can put in a spacer in there or mill out that that divider if you want. A, an open plenum single plane is usually the best thing for installations just for distribution purposes. As far as the back to what I was talking about with tuning, anything under seven inches of vacuum, and I think of inches of vacuum just from the carburetor days. It's just an easy thing to remember, and you can put a vacuum gauge on it and look just and kind of check what your engine vacuum is. If you're under six, seven inches of vacuum, usually you're going to need to go in and throw some fuel in it with the laptop or with the handheld. It'll, you can add some fuel with the handheld too. Anything over that, and you're almost always good to go on the, 
on the tune-up that the lizard's going to build. So yeah, there are two different, actually, I think there's three different cam selections in the lizard now, but I think of engine vacuum, and especially if it's coming from somebody that's installed a carburetor and they already, they already know what the engine is, uh, how it runs. If you're under seven, you might need to throw a laptop on it. So that's, that's the delineation point, uh, you know, under seven. Otherwise, the settings that are kind of pre-installed will, will cover your needs. Yeah. Um, and that's just coming from there again, days in, in tech and in the field. Normally, that's kind of what I've seen to be the cutoff point. And when I say seven, I'm normally what that means is if you're in gear and with an automatic, that's how many inches of vacuum you have with some load on the engine. Uh, idle, it might run fine, but you might kick it down, down in the drive and it might bog. So going in, you can data log it with the handheld, or you can data log it with the software. Just look at what the engine's doing in the software. You can throw some fuel at it or take some away to see how it responds to the situation. Okay, so the system is basically, what's the power operating range is up to 650 horsepower, right? Yep. What about, uh, you know, use with power adders, things like that? So the Sniper 2 doesn't have boost control but it does have timing retard. So if you have a timing control system, so if you have a HyperSpark installed or magnet distributor that's set up correctly, you can pull timing out per PSI. And that's great if you have a something that's eight to 10 pounds of boost. I wouldn't recommend anything that's 14 or, or more or something that's going to make over 600 horsepower uh, boosted. We draw the line on the website at 575. And of course, that's a public safe number, you know, so there's always a fudge factor, but 575 is kind of where we draw the line and a mildly boosted engine can make that no problem. And then you guys also were talking about adding, uh, is it tra uh, transmission controllers as well? Is that something that's coming down the road? Yeah, great point. So we released that right around PRI. So that's the sniper, sniper transmission control. And essentially there's three three part numbers, so 551-100, 551-102, or 551-103. And what those three part numbers do is they give you trans control with your Sniper 1, if you currently have that set up. The 551-102 is trans control for a carburetor. And 551-103 is plug and play trans control for Sniper 2. Now, that's just the, the trans control device itself. You have to buy another harness for whatever transmission you have because we support various transmissions. And all that can be found on, you know, Summit's website, holly.com, and also in the instruction manual itself. I have to say, too, you guys uh, kind of knocked out of the park with the videos, I think, and uh, some of the, the information available on your site. I think you guys have done a really nice job with that. So kudos to you. That's not kudos to me, but I appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's just <laughs> the more information that you can spread, just the better everybody's experience are. And that's ultimately what our goal is, is to drive that information to the consumer. So you know, he or she has just a great experience with our products. A big part of that is just making sure the instructions are accurate and up to date. And if we add anything that we change our instructions, because the last thing you want to do is read something wrong in the instruction manual, do something that you think's right, and then damage a product or damage, you know, ultimately your car. We try to avoid all that. So I guess the last question, I'm sure a lot of people would maybe be considering moving on from an original sniper to a two. Mm -hmm. Considerations are there with that? Is it as easy as just dropping the new unit on there or... I mean, I think there's probably some wiring considerations as well. So you've kind of set up a, a perfect question here, but we we actually released an adapter harness for that. I, I really like how you asked the question early on. It's what, what feedback were you getting from the field? 
So our part number 558-489 is the Sniper 1, the Sniper 2 adapter harness. So if you already have a Sniper 1 that's on the engine, but you are just you, you love the latest and greatest, which I personally do also, you can buy this adapter. You plug in your main harness, and then you plug in the, the new handheld that'll come with your Sniper kit, and that's it. You don't have to wire anything. It's three connectors, and you're up and running. Well, that's a game changer. And now that you mentioned it, I think I do remember seeing that out on the, the SEMA floor to display. So very, very cool. Yeah. And and it also has one extra wire. And this is just the, the nerd in me wanting to tell people, but it, there's a zero to five volt output also. So that can be used for various things, trench control or whatever. That was a neat little product that we released. And there again, it, it came directly from feedback that we were getting from the field. And not to say we didn't think of it while we were designing the product, but it was like, nah, we'd rather just people install a new main harness. But if they have a clean running Sniper 1, let's offer them this and see, uh, and make just everything life easier for everybody. So that's really all there is to it then, the harness and dropping the new unit right on there. Yeah, and you'll run your wizard in your handheld and you're good to go. That's fantastic. Great. Well, good. You guys always seem like you're, you're thinking of the next step and then you bring you know, a lot of these new additions out. PDM, you know, you bought the transmission control. Now you've got this harness. And uh, of course, with your ecosystem, you guys have a bunch of uh, different uh, accessories that you guys have developed for it too. So it seems like it, the evolution continues, but this uh, obviously was one of the, the biggest uh, releases of 2023, at least from what we heard. And um, I really appreciate your time kind of taking a little bit of a deeper dive on it, Colin. Thanks so much. Yeah, not a problem. And uh, I mean, looking forward to talking to you again in the future. If you have anything else, just whatever you want to talk about, feel free to get in touch with the representative here at at Holland, and uh, I'll come back on the show and we can chat. This has been the On All Cylinders podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Check out new episodes coming soon at onallcylinders.com. Onallcylinders.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.